0: The reason why we've been able to grow so quickly is we've done a great job being able to get stores open quickly and effectively and efficiently. And, you know, we've had stores come out the gates and within the first three months have have peaked over the $100,000 mark.
1: Welcome to the Upflip podcast. I'm your host Alex Freeman and the topic of the day is how to start and grow a franchise. My guest today is Tony Zaccario, president and CEO of Stretch Zone, one of the fastest-growing franchises in the United States, and he's ready to share his expertise with our listeners. Stretch Zone uses a science-driven stretching method to help its customers maintain and restore mobility to improve their overall quality of life. It's a popular concept that's growing quickly, projected to reach 300 studios next year. We'll find out how they've achieved that impressive growth in today's interview. Tony, thanks for joining us.
0: Thanks for having me, Alex. I'm really excited.
1: So, to get things started, can you just give us a little uh, bit of an overview about what Stretch Zone does and, and how you first got involved with the company?
0: Yeah, of course. So, Stretch Zone kind of pioneered the practitioner assisted stretching movement. Started with, with my partner and the founder of Stretch Zone, Jordan Gold, who really began his whole journey when working on his, his grandfather in the late 90s. And when he was working with his grandfather, primarily spent time with him and, and obviously to get him more active, as Jordan was a personal trainer at the time. And he really started going with the, the Stretch Zone method or the methodology behind the stretch. Stretch and and what we utilize in all of our our locations now. And he he started by toying with kind of a a strapping system to help isolate certain muscle groups to maybe get deeper, more effective stretches. And little did he know that that ended up leading to the patented strapping system that we utilize today. And he's also kind of able to establish a lot of those stretching methods that we use on clients throughout the country. And so that was back in the late '90s. And from 1999 to about 2015, Jordan was working with one-off clientele, celebrities, athletes, whoever it might be. But really felt that he wasn't really reaching the masses, so to speak, and, and making the impact that he wanted wanted to in, in respective communities. So we didn't open up the first storefront of stretch zone until two thousand fifteen. I came on board in two thousand sixteen when I first found Jordan as he was still trying to create the business around stretch zone itself and we had four locations. During that time, you know, we were trying to hone in the unit level economics, trying to really figure out how to price it, how to sell it, how to market it. You know, we always joke, I mean we at first we didn't have a website. I mean we were using Groupon, but but regardless of how dysfunctional the business truly was, people still kept coming in because that's how much of a difference the uh, the service was making and Fast forward to 2017, we we kind of began our franchising journey. And so in the last five years, we've been able to open up our, uh, as of next week, it'll be 240 locations nationwide. And so currently growing about two to three stores a week. So it's been an
1: exciting journey so far. Wow. Yeah, that is just incredible growth from the start of that franchising moment for the business. Yep. I, for someone who's who's thinking about starting a business, can you talk about the advantages of buying a franchise versus trying to start your own brand? Yeah,
0: I'm a big proponent of franchising. Actually, I'll be clear, I'm a big proponent of, of franchising the right way. And what I mean by that is, you know, at Stretch don't we believe in a franchisee first culture. And for those that are debating either starting their own business or joining a franchise, I think it you know, make sure that your core values align with that of the organization. I think it's really important. I think in general, what franchising provides, it's a safety net, right? It's guardrails around a business. And, and what I always say, especially early franchises, you know, you're an early adopter. Quite frankly, just to be honest, like when you first buy into a unit or a system where there's 50 or less units, yes, you're buying into a brand, but the brand hasn't even really been established. What you're buying is a business model, a proven business model, which is what's most impactful. And that's where the biggest risk comes in for new entrepreneurs is you know, they might have a great idea or be a visionary, but they haven't proven out the systems or the processes or really established what that business model might be. So I think franchising provides that opportunity, whether it's in food and bev, whether it's in personal services, home services, it provides a, someone with an entrepreneurial spirit and maybe some capital and obviously looking to expand their opportunities personally and professionally, it gives them the, the guardrails to go ahead and, and begin their successful business ownership journey.
1: That sounds like a lot of upside. Um, are there any downsides to the franchise model?
0: When it comes to downside, uh, when done the right way, I would argue that there's really not. I think for prospective franchisees that are looking into franchising, I think it's understand to get in something that you're passionate about. You know, the one thing I'll kind of joke about, and I've listened to a lot of your different podcasts, Alex, actually leading up to this in the past, and I know you've talked to people about franchising before. I would argue that there's often people that they don't understand what franchising is in the sense of like you might be buying into a national brand. And with that, you know, there are a lot of entrepreneurial element in the franchising, but I'm one to argue that as a franchisee, it's not true entrepreneurship, if that makes any Mm -hmm. sense. Um, You're not creating a business, right? You're buying into a business plan. You're running a game plan. And I think for some individuals, they feel that that stifles their creativity and it stifles their entrepreneurial spirit or especially for founder types and stuff like that. So I think when you say down, it's downside, but I think it's just being self-aware about what you want out of your business ownership journey.
1: So for somebody that's listening that says, yeah, you know, this buying into a business plan sounds like exactly what I want. Can you talk us through if they were maybe interested in coming into Stretch Zone and being a Stretch Zone franchisee? What does that process look like? Like, what is the vetting process? What are those steps? Tell us, how do they do it?
0: Yeah, of course. So, so when you're coming into Stretch Zone, it's first things first. I'm a big, big proponent of try the service out yourself, right? And that's why we offer the first Stretch Free across the country for clients alike. And a lot of our franchisees do come from existing clientele. Once you do that, you can go online. We have a whole franchise development where you can hear actual testimonials of existing franchisees and hear what their experience is like as a franchise owner. There's a way that you can submit for more information and, and one of our team members will go ahead and give you a call and help explain what the franchise opportunity with Stretch Zone is a little bit more in depth and then obviously get the normal documentation and FDD that you can review to understand the company and the organization a little bit better. Where the vetting process comes into play is we would ask you to fill out a request for consideration so we get to know a little bit more about you and should you make it past few, a few different phone calls, we'd have you come in for a Discovery Day where it's an opportunity for us to get to meet to you in person and get to know you a little bit better. And I always remind franchisees and prospective franchisees out there that are interested in franchising. It's also a great way. Discovery days are, are really there for also for the prospect to get to know the leadership and the team of the franchise system that they might be buying into. So yes, you know, you have to be a green light for us. but more importantly, we have to be a green light for you as individuals. And really what we're looking for, and, and we're fortunate to be at a spot in our journey to where we can say no, we do say no, but but primarily we really are just looking for people that share our core values and share what we're trying to do as organization and can contribute to the culture that we've worked so hard to cultivate. After that, if it's a yes, and we all decide collectively that I think this person would be a great fit to the organization, to the system, we go ahead and let you know. And then you come on board, you sign your franchise agreement, and you go right to franchisee training and, and ideally in you know, a perfect world and stretch zone because it's so simple. You're up and running about 120 days later.
1: Wow, that's incredible to be able to get up and running that quickly. What are some of those those startup costs that somebody should be planning for if they're going to open a stretch zone franchise?
0: Yeah, for, for ours, our startup costs are going to hover around 120000 to about 195000 And that's all in. That's, that's with the franchise fee included. And so that's really to get the doors open, all your pre-marketing costs, as well as any kind of training costs associated with it for your new team members.
1: Is your model one that they would go secure the lease? Do you secure the lease? How does the space work?
0: We simply approve, disapprove, location. We have real estate software that we leverage to help educate the franchisee as well as ourselves when approving a site that really gives sound demographics and just kind of analytics on different sites. But they would go ahead and we do have an approved vendor that they can utilize and they can lean on should they choose to do so. Morrow Hill, that they can come in and they obviously know our brand very well and they can make the leasing process a lot more seamless. However, they're more than welcome to use their own relationships, maybe a broker that they know locally to help secure that lease.
1: Quick reminder for our listeners, if you love the Upflip podcast, help us keep it going by sharing it with your family and friends and by leaving us a review. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now to this podcast. Now, Tony, think about that number can seem high for some people, one hundred twenty-five dollars to $195,000. What are some financing options for someone who maybe wants to start a franchise but doesn't quite have the cash on hand to do it?
0: I think there's a lot of traditional routes, right? You have the SBA. I think it's also exploring, you know, we've seen in our time when growing as many stores we have. You might not have access to the capital, but you also might have either a friend, family member, partnerships, or existing franchisees that have the access to the capital but may not have the operating bandwidth. So we have seen a lot of different options like that to where they've developed partnerships for the first store, maybe. And then once they go ahead and have enough capital, they go ahead and do another one on their own. But there typically are a lot of financing routes available out there to people. I think it's just doing a little bit of research. But the SBA is definitely one that I know a lot of franchisees have leaned on, especially at the, at the range that we're at.
1: What's a common mistake that a first-time franchise owner might make? And how can they avoid making that mistake?
0: I think it's what we discussed earlier, where it's you have to understand you're buying into a business plan, you're buying into a brand. And I think it, especially at our size and when we're starting franchising, is trying to overthink it. I mean, you know, our full time job is supporting our franchisees and putting them first. And part of that is thinking and trying every which different way to obviously increase their performance, increase their success. So I think what first time franchisees, some are very entrepreneurial and very creative and they find it boring. The fact that, hey, here's this business plan, All I need to do X, Y, Z. And they're like, well, what about this or what about that? And which is great to communicate with the franchisor. And often like us, we'll be happy to say, hey, we you know, we tried this and this is what happened. This is why we don't do it this way. But I promise, you know, help. Educate them on why we do it the way we do it. But I would say that's the biggest mistake that new
1: franchisees sometimes make. So you talk about one of the big advantages of buying into a franchise is that you're, you're buying into a business plan that works. So how much pre-planning should a potential franchise owner be doing before they buy in or get started? Or is it all really kind of like once they know it makes sense for their life to open this franchise, that's it. Now they just enter the program.
0: I think it's obviously dependent on the franchise system. I mean, for us, and cause there are, there are some franchises out there that do require business plans, for example, and I know that they do because I, I know other people's industry and, and good friends of ours, but for like, for example, stretch zone is so simple. You have fixed assets in the tables. You have staff, right? You have a recurring membership-based model, 1,000 square feet, empty shell. So for us, it's a very simplistic business model, which is great. We try to keep it as simple as possible for the franchisees. So in our, in our case, I don't need someone to come in and, and think up and create a business model and perform and show us their business acumen, nor do they need to. I think if you're getting in a little bit more complex opportunities like restaurants, especially not fast casual, but dine-in restaurants, you might want to do some research and understand fully, not from a planning perspective, Per se, because if it is a proven business model, but I also just I think from an education perspective, so you fully understand what you might be investing into as a franchisee. But again, typically good franchises that they have these things thought out for you. they understand that the keys to success and really what they're looking for are people that are passionate about what they're doing and willing to work hard and willing to just kind of execute the game plan that's been laid out for them.
1: And with with stretch zone up and running in maybe about 120 days, if everything's kind of cooking along as it should. Mm-hmm. What then do those kind of first year year profits and revenue numbers look like for a first-year franchisee?
0: You know, the one thing I will say about us, the reason why we've been able to grow so quickly is we've done a great job being able to get stores open quickly and effectively and efficiently. And, you know, we've had stores come out the gates and obviously this being be an item 19 later on in the year. I mean, we've had stores within the first three months have, have peaked over $100,000 mark in gross revenue and within the first three months. And part of that is just understanding how we pre-book demos. You know, the one thing about franchising as a whole, which I think you learn as a franchisor, is... It comes down to the individual, and I think it, you know, I always joke I could put the best franchisee in the worst demographics of the country, and with a proven business model, you know, they could be successful, and they are. And we have secondary markets that are outperforming a lot of these kind of primary markets. Our number four. top performing location nationwide out of 200 plus locations for last year in revenues was in Ocala, Florida. And that's something that we never would have thought of, but it's because it's it's just a standout operator. And and so again, franchising, a lot of it is dependent on the individual. It's saying how much are they willing to buy in? What kind of leader can they be? What kind of culture can they create within their own location? But yeah, typically with our our structural owners, they're getting off to a quick start and getting off to a bank.
1: Now, is uh, kind of like key to fast revenue growth from day one, like how all in you are on the proven business plan that you've bought into?
0: A little bit. And it's also just about, you know, if like, like, for example, when I say the proven business plan, like we have a store opening specialist that will follow every franchisee along. You know, these are people that have opened up, helped open up stores, some of them over 100 stores now. And so what they do is they, there's a checklist of literally everything you need to do from step one all the way to, you know, A to Z. And, and with that, I think it, it's really just making sure that they, the franchisee gets the right team on board, because that, that is the one hard part from a franchisor is it is ultimately your business that you're running. You know, you're, you have the rights to operate the business under the brand. I can't hire your people for you, right? And, and if I said, hey, Alex, you need to send a, assemble a team, I'm happy to give my input, my insight, but ultimately the hiring decisions are up to you. And, and that's why we're... It is such a, a, a stringent vetting process for our franchisees, because ultimately the people that you pick are going to have a, a great reflection on how consumers and clients and guests that come in, how they perceive the brand. And so I think the one challenging part is is every business, and I would argue is a people business in some aspect, but I think a big difference is A, how much they're bought into it, how much work they're willing to put into it for pre-opening and, and really getting out there, where it might be. And I think a lot of it's just about the team that they assemble. And obviously we have the tools to help them pick the right team, but that decision ultimately will come down to that franchisee.
1: And then what about ongoing costs of, of operating the franchise, including things like franchise fees and how those might be determined?
0: The franchise fee itself is up front. So ours is forty dollars um, after that the 6% royalty taken out as, as well as a, a tech fee and so, some more nominal costs. But typically that, that 6% is fixed. Like, so the royalty percentage doesn't increase over time or anything of that nature, but those are typically generally the costs for the ongoing
1: franchise. Now, just to kind of zoom out a little bit more and look at, at franchises a little bit more broadly, because maybe somebody's listening and saying, okay, stretch zone isn't necessarily right for me, but I do want to maybe find a franchise. Where should they go looking to find franchises that are available for them?
0: Man, i I mean, Google, what can't Google tell you at this point, right, Alex? Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, so so you you have so many different forms. I think it's first by starting and recognizing, hey, what businesses do I visit regularly? Right. Or I can't live without or something I'm really passionate about. and It could be a food concept. Could be like, man, I really like the sandwich there. I like the chicken wings here or whatever it is. I love this place. Most people don't realize when outside of franchising, I don't think many people realize that the majority of the businesses that they come in contact with are franchises. And when franchising is done right, that's how it should be right? Because it's one brand across the entire system. They'll understand that it's individual franchise owners. So I think when you recognize what you might be passionate about or what you're interested in, it's A, what do I visit mostly? Hey, maybe that is a franchise. Let me look into that. It's a quick Google search. Let's say I'm coming in with just open eyes and I want to find out what franchises are available. There's plenty of forms online. I also recommend maybe going to a trade show. I think walking around some of the there are franchise trade shows that are out there where there's franchise concepts and that gives you the opportunity to talk to their leadership team right from the get-go and hear what they have to offer and kind of touch and feel it rather than just going on Google search, maybe go on their website.
1: What should somebody be looking at as they kind of analyze if a franchise is going to be the right option for them in terms of like what data should they be looking at? What should they be looking at that they want provided for them, et cetera?
0: I think the biggest thing is, is A, I'm a culture nut, but uh, I think it's making sure that they align with the vision and the leadership team of that respective franchise. I think there's a lot of ways to do franchising, there's a lot of ways to be successful in life, there's a lot of ways to be successful as a business owner. There are plenty of profitable franchises out there. But ultimately, if I don't necessarily like pizza, I'm not going to buy a pizza franchise. If I'm not passionate about health and wellness, I'm not going to buy health and wellness. So I think it's first being aligned with the vision of the brand. I think the biggest thing that a prospective franchisee can ask a brand is ask them what they're doing to support their existing franchisees. And I think for a lot of brands out there where I get turned off from franchising is everyone wants to tote how many franchises they've sold, how quickly they're growing and whatever it might be. But but ultimately, the, the business that we're in is we're in a support business. And we're in a service business to our franchisees. We're supporting them so that they can adequately service the clientele and ultimately they find success. We're successful in their successful period. And so I think for a prospective franchisee who's listening, ask the brand first and foremost, not what they're doing to sell franchise and what they're doing to grow. What are they doing to service those existing franchisees that are out there? Because very quickly, if you're a prospective franchisee that decides to come on board, you are going to be one of those franchisees that are currently existing within that system and not necessarily a new franchisee that's coming on board anymore. So understanding that fully is super important to me.
1: What kind of market research should somebody be doing before they decide to open a franchise or approach a franchise to open? And and what tools should they be doing to do that market research?
0: I think there's a lot of qualitative research that you can do. I think in a lot of respects, especially with franchising or given need, I think a lot of people within your community could be a soundboard. I do think, and and for prospective franchisees, that that that's information that a franchisor should be able to provide to you. Meaning like if you call in and say, I'm in Tampa, Florida, and I'm looking at a whatever, a taco place. I'm trying to mix up the different concepts, by the way, if you haven't noticed as far as franchise concepts. But like, let's say I'm trying to open up a taco joint. If I call a door, the franchiseor should tell me why that taco joint needs to be in Tampa Bay, right? I shouldn't be going to the or saying, hey, this is a great place for a taco spot. Can, let me explain to you how. But again, that's some of the support and some of the insight that a franchiseor should be able to provide a franchisee and say, hey, this is maybe the area within Tampa Bay that might be better for this you know, taco joint or stretch on or whatever it might be. But I do think for prospective franchisees that d- don't be shy about going out to your franchise or nor don't be scared to reach out to a franchise or because you don't know if it might be a good spot in your community or you don't know it's available. Guys, that's what they're there to do. They're there to service you as a prospective franchisee and they're there to provide you that information.
1: What other questions should somebody be sure to ask in kind of that initial introductory call?
0: The intro call, I think it's having a solid vision of where the brand's going, especially if it's an established brand, if it's a mature brand, doing some research, asking if there's franchisees that they can reach out to, which they should be able to provide an FDD, if there's any failures. And this is something that that you need to be very careful about. So Stretch Zone is, you know, one of the things that I'm probably most proud of is that throughout this entire time at 240 locations, we've yet to have a single store closure or failure, which is rare in franchising. Most franchises will will kind of really cloak that or cover that up and they'll talk about, they'll say, hey Alex, guess what? We've sold, you know, 250 licenses. First question need to be coming out is, okay, Alex, that's great that you've sold it. I can't leverage units that have been sold. How many do you have open? And often you'll hear franchises say, oh, well, I only have 20 open. Well that 20 is what matters. And you hear it a lot, which is why, you know, just speaking, you know, candidly, like for us, we, we never ever, ever, ever discuss how many units we have sold because I think it's a BS metric and franchising. As a franchisee, I can't leverage a unit that's not open. Brand performance and brand synergy comes from existing units that are open. So those are great questions to ask. If a store is closed, why did they close? Is always a great question to ask, among the other ones that we discussed before about making sure there's adequate support and what kind of support is there for existing franchisees.
1: So this is going to bring us to a section of our show that we call our Fan Blitz Questions. These questions come from our YouTube community. You can go to youtube.com slash upflip, join the community and post questions to future podcast guests. So Tony, we're going to try and get through about five questions here in about a minute. Um, so here we go. Uh, first question from I'm Bill Gates wants to know pros and cons of franchising out rather than growing and expanding as an owner.
0: I think it's all about perception and what you're trying to accomplish as a business owner. So if you're not a franchisee, you have to understand that with that, you know, some of your flexibility might be taken away. No pun intended, being stretched out. But franchisee, you're, you're really buying into a brand. And if you're okay with that, then I think franchising is a great route for you. and I think it provides a lot of
1: benefits. One more from I'm Bill Gates. Biggest objection potential franchisees have before they start? Typically,
0: it's more of a personal decision. It's For us, we've been very fortunate. It's been all organic growth. We haven't pushed anyone. We've never used a broker or anything like that. But it's sometimes a personal decision where it's saying, hey, listen, maybe I'm not as passionate about, you know, hands-on personal services. I do want something more like home service or food and bed or or whatever it might be. So just simple ones like that.
1: Can you tell us about your most bizarre business encounter?
0: True. How am I supposed to answer that in 10 seconds, Alex?
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll give you 15. How's that sound?
0: I would say bizarre. Oh, my God, there's so many. I'd say probably one of the coolest business interactions I've had so far is, you know, us bringing Drew Brees on board as a franchisee and a brand ambassador and, and just, you know, on the board. That's been a very cool experience to, to have someone of his caliber join the ranks of Stretch Zone.
1: That might be the answer to this next question. But if you could have anyone in this world endorse your business, who would it be and why?
0: I think we have it. I think it's, it's, You know, what's most exciting for me, honestly, Drew is a a great human being, happy to have him on board. But really hearing the testimonials and the endorsements of of local people in the community and local members of the community is awesome. From a celebrity caliber, no, I mean, I think we couldn't ask for anyone better than someone of Drew's nature. And character.
1: Last one here. In three words, I'll give you four or five if you need them. What would you like to tell all the naysayers now that you've made it this far?
0: Three or five words. I would say just for any naysayers, it's keep watching. And listen, if, if you don't believe me or don't believe the impact it could have, I mean, try it out for yourself. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. As we say in our office, I know there's more than five words, Alex, but you know, you, you never confuse effort with results. And I think the results have spoken for themselves. And I think that in a large part because of the incredible franchisees that we've been able to bring on board and obviously the impact that are making in their communities.
1: That is going to do it for our fan blitz questions. Again, those come from our YouTube community. You can go to youtube.com slash upflip, join the community and post questions to future podcast guests. Tony, just a few more questions for me. When someone buys a stretch zone franchise, what aspects of the business do they have control over and which are determined by by you, the parent company?
0: For us, there's a philosophy in franchising of a centralized or decentralized model. What I mean by that is a centralized model is often you hear in franchising and some of the negatives that some people might relay in franchising is I have to use you know, go through what they would say corporate or the home office. You know, all the leads come from the home office. We take more of a decentralized approach to where we have multiple approved vendors for every possible service of the actual franchise system itself. For example, digital marketing. We have six or seven different approved digital marketing vendors that a franchisee can pick from. The reason why we even have approved vendors at all is because ultimately our job is to protect the brand that is now owned by every franchisee and obviously make sure that we're providing and there's adequate service being able to provide to the franchisee with an approved digital marketing vendor. So for us, it's again, putting those guardrails around the different services. And for some aspects, like the fixed assets, like a table or carpet or furniture, we never take rebates. That's just something that we believe in a franchisee first culture. We rather leverage our purchasing power in bulk to go ahead and pass those savings down to the franchisees, which is why it's still important to have approved vendors. But for us, I take the mindset of I don't want to stifle creativity too much. I want people to be able to make those business decisions and really decide, you know, what's necessarily best for their local community or their local business. And so that's why for us, there's a lot of autonomy in that regard for our franchisees and our system.
1: And what kind of training do you offer for new franchise owners? And is there any outside training? That, that you might recommend that they go get, but that doesn't come from you in the central office?
0: For us, there's no outside training needed. You know, us we have a few day franchisee training that they go through, and they can participate in any of the other trainings as well, whether it's a stretch training, GM training, continue education training. We've been able to leverage technology in a pretty comprehensive manner to where we can provide a lot of remote support and continue education. But ultimately, franchisees are going to come on, go through a few days of franchisee training, and then really just get assigned a store opening specialist so that'll walk them through. And then after that, we have a proactive team that will reach out to them to ensure that they're good to go or answer any kind of lingering questions they might have.
1: And then what what about ongoing support do you provide to your franchisees and what type of ongoing support should a franchisee expect from the parent company, even if they're not a stretch zone franchisee?
0: I think the basic thing that a franchisee should always expect is just clear and honest communication. You know, listen, we we get things wrong. It happens, and I think franchisors are, are fearful of admitting that to the franchisees. I don't know why, but ultimately, this is a relationship. It's a 10-year relationship with the franchisee at, at a minimum, right? So that's a franchise agreement length. And so I think from a support perspective, a franchisee for any system should always expect good, clear, honest communication on a regular basis. And so for Stretch Zone, that's why we have multiple system-wide calls available to franchisees that they can hop on. Different topics, different training topics. Some might be pay models. Some might be uh, labor issues. Some might be accounting focused, where we have outside people come in as well. There's ample amounts of opportunity for franchisees within our system to jump on board to continue to, A, sharpen their saw or maybe learn a thing or two about how they can better their business.
1: If I'm opening a new franchise in a market, are my strategies to attract new customers to come in the door for the first time different than those if I was just opening my own independent business? And how does that change depending on what I've decided to do as a new business owner?
0: Yeah, I think well from a franchise perspective, every aspect needs to be scalable, including your marketing. And the way we've been able to roll out two stores a week is because the marketing playbook is we know what works, we know it's effective, we can measure the data and quantify. And so all of our approved marketing vendors can go ahead and execute the same pre-opening game plan. Part of that is exactly why you buy a new franchise. And so you're not not guessing how to get people in the door, whether it's a new location or existing area. I think with with regards to the, hey, is it the difference between a franchise and an independently owned business? That's part of why you get into a franchise because there's the brand power and brand recognition. And the simplest way to kind of exemplify that is if I'm an independent business, if I'm, if I'm a, well, first start of the franchise stretch zone, you open up a stretch zone in Alex, wherever in, in Idaho, right? It's someone's going to see a stretch zone ad. Okay. Well, well the entire consumer journey has already been built out. So whether they recognize the, the power of the stretch zone brand, that brand and that consumer journey has already been built out because you're part of a franchise. We know what you're going to click through. We know the website track, all that other stuff. As an independent business, you might not have that A thought out or B more likely is you don't have that depth built out. So even if you can't. And catch someone's eye, it's going to be a lot harder to go ahead and convince the individual or, or maybe educate that individual on why they need to come into your respective business, which is why when you're buying a new franchise, you're buying into that brand, which ultimately helps out the local markets as well as the national
1: markets. Now, are there opportunities for franchisees to connect with other franchise owners? And what are the benefits of that kind of networking?
0: I think it is one for, for those that are listening that are thinking about franchising or in a franchise. I think that is one of the most incredible aspects of franchising is the community and the fran- Friendships and the relationship you're able to develop with franchisees. We have an internet portal. Like We have actually a franchisee-only form on our portal to where franchisees can talk to franchisees. We have the owners meeting, and we really promote collaboration and just conversation. From a franchisor perspective, listen, if someone has a great idea, I hope they can communicate it. It helps all of us. So for those that are thinking about franchising, I think the first thing you should do is when you do get an FDD or you do talk to a system is start contacting franchisees that already are part of the system and hear about their experience. I think that's the only way you progress and evolve as a brand is if you promote and kind of provide the the necessary conduits for that collaboration.
1: I know you maybe haven't had, had this direct experience with stretch zone franchisees, but what happens if a franchise does fail or isn't living up to brand expectations?
0: I think it's sniffing it out ahead time so we we have a brand performance team that we will proactively reach out to maybe underperformers people that are having challenges so they have one-on-one support of someone literally With with the ability and propensity to call them daily or their team daily to help them work through whatever it might be, which is why we've probably made it this long without a single failure. So I think it's always making sure that you're giving the proper means to be able to educate and re-educate that franchisee on whatever it is, and most importantly, which goes back to the full circle of what you need to ask franchisors when coming onto a franchise system, is we've always just been focused on making sure that we have adequate support as we've been going through the state of hyper growth and you know really monitoring system performance and not not just counting the numbers of stores that open up, because ultimately what's most important is, is seeing the systemic success that we continue to have quarter over quarter over the last few years. So, yeah, so for us, it's just making sure that it's being proactive on support with underperforming stores rather than being reactive and waiting for them to reach out. Because Sometimes people maybe are too ashamed to, they don't know what to ask, or they just have other things going on to where they really do need someone else's eyes on the business. And we're happy to provide that help.
1: What's the biggest challenge of growing revenue as a franchise, and how do franchisees overcome that challenge?
0: I think it's in general... You know, again if you're if you're part of a good franchise i'm trying to think of our system that there shouldn't be a major challenge of growing revenue i think it i really think that it becomes people problems in general that franchisees will struggle with which it, which is you know it does translate obviously over to revenue and revenue lines but you know, i think it's maybe having a challenging employee having a difficulty finding staff retaining staff because maybe of a culture issue with inside the locations so i think those are the biggest challenges which is you know i, I always I always joke with my themes like, i really don't have any real problems and all my problems Typically have a first and last name. Because it's true, because because people are challenging, we're wrenching and dynamic individuals. And sometimes that can be to the detriment of the business. So I think it's hard for franchisees to maybe overcome that. And those are really where their biggest challenges will lie.
1: And kind of zooming out, I'm curious about how you go about setting your growth goals for stretch zone in particular, and if somebody is maybe franchising out their business, how they should set that growth strategy.
0: Great question. And I think it's something that a lot of new franchisors need to give probably more thought to. For us, it's always about what we can what we can adequately and over support. When I say oversupport, if you're not careful, everyone listening, most people listening, I mean, there's so many case studies of businesses that have grown to their death. When I say grown to their death, essentially, they crumble under their own infrastructure because essentially we have a freight train that's flying down the track and everything needs to be humming along and you can't just stop it on a dime. You know, it takes time. And so you got to make sure every T is crossed, every I is dotted. And so I think it's more looking at your support systems to then determine what you can adequately grow to, to continually and adequately and successfully support the existing franchise system that you intend to bring on.
1: One more unit level question here for you. Can you talk about the day-to-day of a stretch zone franchise owner and how many hours should they expect to work a week?
0: Yeah, the hours, it's <laughs> for, one, for one store, not many. And the, the funny thing is a lot of franchisees will come to us and say, man, I, I knew it was going to be simple. I didn't realize it was going to be that simple to where they say, like, I walk into the store and it's like, there's only so much you can do, right? Yeah, the recurring memberships, the memberships are being sold. People are getting service. There's not much for the franchisee to do, which is why our, our model lends itself to a multi-unit model of the 240 locations we have open. It actually makes up of 96 different ownership groups make up those 240. So most of our unit, our owners are multi-unit because it is a simplistic business model. It's about a lot easier to scale uh, from a franchisee basis, which is also why we've been able to grow so quickly. So I think at the multi-unit level, it's a little bit different. You're obviously dealing with more personnel, a little bit more challenges, monitoring performance different locations, you know, make sure they're taking advantage of continuing education. But from a single owner, it's, it's fortunately pretty basic, Alex. And I, and I would like to keep it that way as much as possible.
1: Now, can you also talk about someone who maybe has grown an independent business and wants to start franchising it out? What are the first steps to making that happen?
0: First, a ton of research, I think, from just a high level. I mean, obviously, you have the functional component of, you know, make sure you get a franchise attorney, you get an FDD made, you have an ops manual made. But I think before you even do all that, I don't think that's what your aim is when asking that question. I think it's, or correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they really need to understand and be self-aware about what they're trying to accomplish and what, the, and what what I think independent owners that I know of personally that have tried franchising, they don't realize that it's a different business altogether. And what I mean by that is if I operate a, a pie shop right, or a gym, I might really enjoy operating as gym. I might love every aspect. I love talking to the clients. I love, you know, cleaning up everything. I love getting people in out the door, making differences in their lives. And I immediately think, oh, the quickest way is I need a franchise. But what they don't realize is that your job as a franchisor is no longer to operate those gyms. Your job as a franchisor is to support the people that are now operating those gyms. And it's two vastly different business models. It's two vastly different experiences. And so I think that's the the biggest thing that people need to think about before franchising is understand that you lose a lot of control, whether people believe it or not, when you go to the franchising model, because it's no longer your business no longer your staff and your customers, no longer the person walking in the door, your customers are or the franchisee that's coming on board. And so I, I think that's the first thing that people really need to think about before deciding whether or not to make that jump.
1: Now, since you are kind of making that jump into a new business, what are some of the must have systems that you're going to need to put in place as you build out that new type of business, if you're going to build out a franchise business?
0: I think it's every aspect of the business soup to nuts. I don't think there's one that's more important necessarily than the other. I think it's you really can't go in there halfway, right? You got to be all in if you're going to franchising because ultimately you have a legal obligation and a fiduciary responsibility to these franchisees and make sure you can support them. So you, I definitely wouldn't recommend anyone going into franchising when they say, yeah, well, I have this process laid out, but you know th- this one's about 60% there. This one's about 20%. And, and that one I'll figure out as we get rolling. That's not going to work very well. And what will happen is you might get launched off the ground, convince 10 people to buy in. Those 10 people aren't going to find success because there is no systemic success or processes that exist. And then now you have 10 people that are very upset and your franchise dream ends very shortly because new franchise these coming on are likely going to call these existing 10 people. So I definitely think there's not one that's that's more important than the other. I think you need to take a look at your business and realize there needs to be an SOP, a, a standard operating procedure and a process and a system to every single component of the business and really look at it again and again and again until you think it's all fleshed out.
1: And then how do you make sure those systems are replicable? Obviously, you've done that to great success with stretch zones. So how do you, as you're building out systems, as you're systematizing everything, how do you make sure that it is something that you can just hand to somebody else and they can go run it?
0: I think it's doing it yourself first. Like we had in the early stages from 2016 to 2017, we really had only corporate locations. We weren't even convinced. We we didn't even know about franchising that. But we had about 10 or 12 corporate locations. And and with that comes, you know, every situation, every experience, new situations pop up all the time that kind of test and really kind of shed light on where there might be holes in your systems and processes. But I do think it's it's building up franchising and whether it's franchising or not, it's building business the right way. Hone in on the unit level economics, make sure you have a, a really robust and comprehensive business. Business plan that works in all different kinds of scenarios before you even consider offering that to someone else. And so I think the testing it out with corporate locations for us helped out tremendously. And it was a big reason why we were able to navigate COVID so seamlessly as well.
1: If you could pick the, the one thing that people take away from this interview, what would it be?
0: Set goals and be realistic about what you want. To do in your business ownership journey and your business journey as a whole, I, I give a lot of kudos to people that recognize, especially franchisees or business owners. I mean, I think everyone when they start a business, they think. And Alex, I've heard on your podcast even too, or you know, I, I want to rule the world, right? I want a hundred units of this. I want. And when I think people, what I've seen with franchisees is I also have a lot of franchisees that recognize, you know, after going to ten stores, being like, you know what, I'm actually pretty happy with two or three. Or people outside of franchising where it's like, you know what, I, I would I wouldn't mind just having two locations of this. And I'd be really happy because I have work-life balance, I have whatever it might be. And so so I think it's just being self-aware enough to recognize what will make you happy. And ultimately, that is the pinnacle of success in my mind. In your business journey, your personal journey, whatever might be. So I think that's the one takeaway, and realize there's a lot of different ways to get there. There's not necessarily one right way to do anything. Plenty of ways to be successful out there.
1: What's your favorite business book, and why?
0: That's a good question. It's not a business book. The one the one I align with the most, just from a, a leadership and organizational development standpoint, is actually a book called Legacy by James Kerr. And so Legacy is actually on a how much you follow sports, Alex, not it's about the all blacks rugby team over in New Zealand. Mm. And so James Kerr kind of studied, you know, why they are the, the winningest sports team in the world, not just in rugby. And a lot of it has to do with the culture that's been created over time within the organization. And so from an organizational development standpoint, it's been really critical and kind of solidifying my leadership style and kind of a decentralized leadership format. So I would say that's a great book for anyone that's listening.
1: And Tony, where can people learn more about you and or Stretch Zone and maybe opening a Stretch Zone franchise?
0: Yeah, go to stretchzone.com to either learn more about franchising opportunities. But I think first and foremost, for anyone listening, before you think about franchising, try it for yourself why the first stretch is free. Don't take my word for it. Go experience it for yourself. So I'd say you go on the website, stretchon.com and find a location near you. And for me personally, if I'm on LinkedIn. And other than that, you can, you can look on me and, and stay posted and stay tuned on the website with all of our updates from news categories. And I'm sure this podcast will be right up there very shortly.
1: That is going to do it for this episode of the UpFlip podcast. Just a reminder, if you want more advice on how to start and grow a business, you can check out the UpFlip blog. Head over to youtube.com slash UpFlip for our YouTube channel, where we have more interviews with business owners. Tony Zacario of Stretch Zone. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: Thanks, Alex.